Okay, so you can kind of tell that I'm serious today, right? And so I'll start by not being real serious. I kind of rigged up a contraption for myself because I cry so much. So I've got some tissues up here for myself so I don't have to worry about crying all over the place. But this morning, I, I'm serious, okay? I'm serious this morning. And this morning, I want to get down to business because I believe that what we're talking about today is so vitally important for each and every one of you, but also for all of us together as a church. I believe that it's so important that we need to get down to business today. No, no, no playing around. We need to get down to business. And so I want to ask you to do a couple things that are slightly different than, than what I would usually do. I want to ask you, number one, clear out the distractions that you may have brought in with you this morning. That could be the person sitting next to you. Turn to the person next to you and say, leave me alone. <laughs> okay. Clear out the distractions. That could be something that happened this week. You could have something really heavy on you. You could have stuff going on at work. You could have stuff going on with your family at home. And I just want to ask you, number one, today as we look into God's Word, to clear all that out. And don't worry about me, but what does God want to say to you today? I want you to focus in, get rid of the stuff that could keep you from hearing God's voice, and I want you to hear God today speak to you. And the second thing I want you to do, this is, this is different, I want you to pray with me. I, I mean, I know we just prayed, but I want to do it again, and I want each and every one of you to specifically pray the prayer of God, work in my life today. I want you to say a prayer while I'm praying, God, I'm here, I'm open, I want to hear from you today. And so I'm going to ask you to do something a little bit different than we normally do, and I want you to stand with me and pray together. If you can't stand, if it's a physical issue, then put your hands up. Do something out of the ordinary, and I want us to pray that God will do something amazing, not, not for our sake, but in each of our lives this morning, that God will do some work in our lives. So let's pray together. Pray to yourself. I'm going to pray for you. God, come in the sanctuary this morning and move in our lives. Father, I, it doesn't matter whether we've been here our whole lives or whether this is our first time ever stepping foot in a church. It doesn't matter if we're young or, or we're old. It doesn't matter what's going on, Lord. I believe that you want to speak to each and every single one of us this morning. And so I pray that each one of our prayers would be, Lord, what do you have for me today? Lord, I pray that you would come and I pray that you would speak to us and I pray that you would change us and I pray that you would give us your freedom. We love you, Lord. Amen. You can have a seat. I won't make you stand the whole time. <laughs> Friday, um, Friday, we were at General Assembly Thursday until yesterday afternoon. And um, Friday night, we had this huge service. I mean, there's probably like 10 to 12,000 people gathered in this big um, convention center. And David Graves spoke. He's one of our general superintendents, which is like, um, I mean, it's not exactly like, but kind of like the popes of the Nazarene church. There's six of them, and they're kind of like the higher up guys in the Nazarene church. And David Graves spoke Friday night. And I just want to tell you what happened on Friday night for me. David Graves spoke, and I, I've been in the Nazarene church my whole life. 
I've heard David Graves speak many times. I've heard sermons on what he spoke about many times. I've been in general assemblies. I've been in almost every general. I think we've missed one general assembly since I was born. And I've heard message after message after message. But Friday night, God did something. God spoke to me and about 12,000 other people who had been to, they, they cared enough to come to convention, their pastors, their leaders, their delegates, and God was speaking in that crowd. And I say all this to say this. I don't care how long you've been at this or how well you know the Bible or how many times you've come to an altar or how many times you've heard a good message. I believe that every time we come together, God wants to move. And so why I'm so serious today is because I believe God has an important message for us this morning, and I believe that God wants to move in each and every one of our lives, whether it's a small movement of just reshaping things, whether it's an encouragement of God's love for us, or whether it's a massive life change, a huge life-changing moment I believe God wants to do something in each and every one of our lives. And so we want to be serious this morning. Last week we talked about um, the chains of bondage. The theme last week was chained, that we are, we are chained by the things, the hole in our lives that we're born with. And so we talked about Adam and Eve, and we talked about that time in the garden where God created this beautiful garden and this beautiful earth, and Adam and Eve are walking through the garden every day with the creator of the universe, with their father, with God, and everything's perfect. But then they made a decision. And that decision to go their own way led to brokenness and pain that has been going on ever since. And you and I are a product of God's creation, but we're also a product of that decision. And you and I were born with a brokenness, with a pain, with chains that kept us from being who God created us to be. And so last week we talked about two different kinds of chains. One of them is the chains of, of the things that we try to do to fill that brokenness. The things that we get into, money, power, relationships, and we try to fill God's, God's love, we try to fill the emptiness that is left from that decision with things. And that only leads us to more slavery and more bondage and more struggle. And the second thing we talked about was the chains of trying to do it all ourselves, even good spiritual things, trying to earn our way to God's acceptance. And so there's one side where I'm just doing what I want, I'm trying to fill my life with things that will take God's place. The other side is I'm trying to do as much as I can to try to earn God's love and acceptance. The problem is either way we go only leads us to more chains and more struggles. And so this morning, I want to talk to you about something huge. I want to talk to you about God breaking the chains of bondage in your life. I want to talk to you about the almighty God, the creator of the universe, the same God that was in that garden with Adam and Eve, breaking the chains that hold you back and leave you wanting more. And so let's start here. 
In order to be who God calls us to be, we have to live in the freedom that Christ offers us. We have to live as children of God. In order for us to be who God calls us to be, we have to live in the freedom that God offers us as children of God. So that means you, that means me, that means us. In order for us to be the people that God created and called us to be, we have to be living in the freedom that Christ offers us, living as children of God. And so let's go back to Galatians 5, and I want to talk more about what this freedom looks like, what it means. And so Galatians 5 says this. It says, verse 16 says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. I'm going to stop there. If you remember last week, if you weren't here, I'll catch you up. The flesh is not talking about our skin. The flesh is not talking about our physical bodies. The flesh is talking about our sinful, selfish desires. So when he says, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, he's not saying the desires of your skin or your physical body. He's saying the desires of your selfishness, of your selfish nature, the, the part of you that just wants to live for you and take care of you, the selfishness in your life. It goes on in verse 17. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. And so it says, walk by the Spirit. Don't gratify the desires of the flesh, your sinful, selfish desires. And it goes on to say, the acts of the flesh. Now, there's other translations that call it the works of the flesh. And so what does that mean? What are the acts or works of the flesh? These are the things that we do or the things that we are a product of our selfishness and our sinful nature. These are the things that we do or that we feel that are trying to take care of ourself. And so the acts of the flesh are obvious. These are products of a sinful, selfish heart. And there was a big list of them. And it says the acts of the flesh are obvious. It's easy to see when you're doing these things that they're about you that they're about your selfishness, that they're about taking care of yourself. And so let's just look at a few of them. Sexual immorality. What is sexual immorality all about? It's about your desires or my desires. Sexual immorality is about what I desire, taking care of my desires. Jealousy. Jealousy is a feeling that comes from a sense of entitlement. Somebody else has something that I think I should have. And so it's selfish. There's a selfishness of wanting what somebody else has and being jealous. Hatred comes from feelings 
that you or I have about the way things should be and something that doesn't line up with the way we want it to be. So it's a feeling, but it's a product of my selfishness. I, me, are you hearing these words over and over again? I, me. Selfish ambition, that one's pretty simple. It's all about yourself, getting ahead. These things are obviously about you. It's easy to see when other people are out for themselves, isn't it? Do you all know somebody or remember somebody in your life that was out for themselves? And when they did things that were out for themselves, it was obvious. They just want to take care of themselves. They don't care about anything else. It's selfishness. And so I said this last week, and I'm going to say it again. I think it's important for us today. Freedom is not the ability to do what you want. Freedom is the ability to be who you were created to be. Freedom is not the ability to do whatever you want. Freedom is the ability to be who you were created to be. The freedom that God offers us, the freedom that Paul is talking about, is not about getting our way, my way, my desires. It's about God having something so much better for us than my, me, I. It's not that God wants to hold us back from getting what we should get. It's that God knows there's something so much better for us than what we want and we desire. These selfish things lead to slavery and death. And God wants us to have freedom, to not be slaves to selfishness and hatred and sexual immorality and jealousy, but be to, to be free. And so it's about the freedom, not of getting our way, but the freedom of being who God created us to be, what God has for us. And so to illustrate this, I was thinking about this week, there is a perfect story that illustrates exactly what Paul is talking about right here in Scripture. It's a parable that Jesus taught. It's the prodigal son. And most of you have probably heard this. If you haven't, we're going to read it together. But let's look together at the, the story in Luke 15 of the prodigal son. We're going to be working our way through it in pieces, but stay with me here. Look at what's happening in this story. It says, Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all that he had and set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth and wild living. So what's happening here? What's happening here is that there's a father who has worked very hard to build an estate, to build an inheritance for his family, for his children. Now, if there are parents in the room, you fully understand this. There is so much that you do that's about taking care of your family or your children. There is a, you are working to build a better future, to leave something with your children, and, and to leave a better future for your children. And this father has worked so hard to build something for his children. I come from two pretty good parents. I think most of you would agree with that. I remember my, my dad's been a pastor since I can remember. And growing up, I remember my mom worked at Christ Hospital while my dad was pastoring, and then at American Airlines, and then at Vanderbilt University. And, and my mom and dad always worked really hard to provide for us. 
But, but not just, I'm not just talking about financial things. I'm talking about my mom and dad worked so hard to put me and my, my siblings in a better place whether it was teaching us, whether it was taking time to do things, whether it was bringing us along to teach us about God, my parents worked so hard to set us up. In fact, I'm a, I'm, I'm a little bit, um, I might be a little spoiled, but my parents said, we are going to pay for your whole college. We're going to work hard. We're going to save our money. We're not going to be selfish in the way we spend our money because we want to set you ahead for the future. And so my parents really took care of me. And so what we see is a father that is really taking care of his family. He's worked hard to get his kids in a good position. And what happens here? The son thinks, hey, I can do better. I'm going to take all that stuff that you worked hard for, and I'm going to take it, and I'm going to go off on my own, and I'm going to find something better than what you have here. And the son thinks by taking his part and going away that he can find a better life, that he can do better than he could there with the father. He wanted independence. He wanted his share, his freedom to do what he wanted, his freedom to be and live the way that he wanted to. And so, so the son thought there was something bigger than what the father had for him. Let me ask you a question. What do you think the father was thinking in this story? Some of you are parents, and you've experienced something like this. What do you think it felt like for the father to have the son take everything that he had worked so hard for, not, not so that he had worked so hard so he could be rich, but worked so hard for so that he could take care of his family, and his son walks in and says, I'm taking mine, and I'm going and doing my own thing. Let's be honest. As parents... We kind of know what our kids are going to do, right? I know if I give my son a $10 bill at the ice cream store, he's going to spend $10 on ice cream, even if he has something else important that he needs to spend money on. I know that if I give money to my children or if I, if I do certain things, they may not use it in the wisest way. And so we have a father that's worked so hard to set his family up for success, and the son comes to him and says, I can do better on my own. Give me my portion. And he takes off, and I can only imagine that the father knew what was going to happen. The father knew the outcome, what was lying ahead for his children. And I have to think that the father was brokenhearted and thinking, man, you don't understand. I want you to have a better future. I don't want you to go squander it. Stay here. And the father was brokenhearted. The story continues. In verse 14, it says this, after he had spent everything, the son had spent everything, his whole inheritance, his whole share, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began, began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. And so we have the father that's worked so hard to set his kid up, and the kid who thinks he can do better on his own, thinks he can go out and live a better life, and what do we see? He ends up empty. He wasn't better off. The father had built something good for him, and when he went out on his own, and when he wanted independence and selfishness, he ended up empty. He ended up wanting to be like the pigs that he was working for. 
he ended up broken. His inheritance that he thought he had was gone. Now let's just stop here for a second and let's draw a parallel. We're talking about the freedom that Christ offers us. We're talking about acts of the sinful nature, our selfishness versus God wanting us to have freedom. And and sometimes we, like the Son, think that we can take what God offers us and go off in our own direction and do better than God has for us. We think that, hey, thanks God for these great gifts, for the, all the things you've gifted me with, but I can do better on my own. And so I'm going to go off and I'm going to build my own thing and I'm going to be independent. Acts of the flesh. It's all about me, myself. It was all about the son and what he wanted, what he didn't understand. And what we often don't understand is that our inheritance is so much more than things. Our inheritance is so much more than getting to do what we want. We inherit a kingdom. The father has worked to build a kingdom, to build, to build a home that we are inheriting. Our inheritance isn't just freedom to do what we want. Our inheritance is to be a part of the kingdom of God, the greatest kingdom ever built on earth. That's our inheritance. And sometimes we miss it. And we think we can go out on our own. And we think we can do better by getting into other things or being good in ourselves. And every time, we fall flat on our faces. Let's move on. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up. And he went to his father. Do you see what's happened here? He's blown it. He understands. His father had built something for him. And he thought he could do better. And he went out and he squandered it. And here he is, face first on the ground, wanting to be like pigs. Just wanting to be a part of the kingdom that his father had built. Of the home and the life that his father has built. He went from, I can do better I'm I'm the son. I deserve more. I can do better on my own to just wanting to be a part, just wanting to be a hired hand in the kingdom because he understood that his inheritance was so much more than the things. It was a place in his father's kingdom, in his father's home. Now, I want to get really personal with you here this morning. Maybe some of you would, would be honest this morning and say that you've gone off on your own and tried to fill your heart, and tried to fill that gap with other things. Maybe you've taken the gifts that God's given us, the good things, whether it's relationships or love or or money or any of those things which are good things, but you've taken them and thought that you could go off on your own way and you could find what you needed and you could have a better life. And the truth of the matter is, you can't. Every time you try to go off on your own, every time you try to break free of the Father and the kingdom and go in your own way, you're going to end up face down in the mud wishing you could just be a part of that kingdom. Maybe some of you here this morning 
are living in a place where you feel like you've left the Father and you've tried to do it on your own and you think that you can be good enough, but you're finding yourself in a place that you're broken and you're hurting. Maybe some of you here this morning, just maybe some of you knew that God loved you and you felt God's grace, but you started to think that you could do better. You, you, you're good enough in, yourself, in, your, in your own self. You come to church enough, you sing enough, you pray enough, and you think that you're good enough on your own and you started to cut God out of the equation. And every time we do that, we will fall flat on our faces, because the truth of the matter is, we were created for relationship with the Father. Our inheritance is about relationship with the Father. And so some of you might be here this morning, and you might be feeling broken. You may have been turning to the wrong things to solve your gap. You may have been turning to the wrong things to solve the problems of your heart, or maybe some of you here this morning would just say, I'm a follower of Christ, but you know what? I've gotten it wrong, and I've become a slave to my own goodness, and I'm missing out on the peace and the freedom that God has for us. Maybe some of you here this morning don't feel like a part of the kingdom of the inheritance those, uh, verse, verse 21 says this, it says, those that live like this will not inherit the kingdom. You might get things, you might get the things that you desire, but you will not be a part of the kingdom. I, 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 me, 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 my selfishness, my desires, and you'll miss out. You'll end up empty. And whether it's terrible things that you've done or gotten into, or whether it's just thinking that you're good enough on your own, an arrogance or a desire for independence, you've missed it. And it's not leading you to God's best. If that's you this morning, and I would sus suspect that most of us have been there at one point or the other, some of us may be there right now, I want to look at the end of this story because the end of the story is the best news that you could possibly have this morning. The son realized his mistake. He realized that he was better off just being a hired servant in the father's kingdom. He was better off uh, than taking his inheritance on his own and doing his best. He was better off just, just begging for crumbs at the father's table. And I think the end of this story, if you feel like you're there, is the exact thing you need to hear this morning. Luke 15 goes on to say this. As he went home... But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son. He threw his arms around him and he kissed him. The son said to the father, Father, I have sinned against heaven and I've sinned against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But... But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And so they began to celebrate. Did you catch that? 
The son said, I blew it. I've messed up. I'm not good enough. And the father says, my son has returned. The good news this morning is, no matter how bad you've blown it, no matter how far you've gone in the wrong direction, no matter what terrible things, selfish things you've got involved in and tried to fill the gap in your lives, no matter how far you've blown it and how much you feel like you're laying in the mud, just wishing to be a part of the kingdom, just wishing to be a hired hand in the kingdom, the Father wants to come running to you this morning. And he wants to wrap his arms around you. And he wants to call you son or daughter. The Father wants you to have the inheritance. Whether it's terrible things you've done or whether you've just kind of gotten to be independent or selfish or arrogant. The freedom that God has for you today is so much more than things. It's the kingdom. It's being a son or daughter of the almighty God. It's walking in the garden of Eden with the creator, with the father. And so as we sing today, and I'm not done yet, but as we sing today, I wanna ask you, are you at a spot where you aren't feeling free the way that God wants you to be free? Have you missed it? Have you gone in the wrong direction? Have you looked after the wrong things? Have you been selfish and have you blown it? And are you looking at the kingdom and thinking, if I could only be a part of that? Or maybe a lot of you are like me and you're just here this morning and you know God loves you, but you've taken that and you've turned it into something that you think you're good enough on your own or you think that you can do this, you can do better on your own or you can be good enough in yourself. If you find yourself this morning feeling like you don't have the freedom that God has offered you, I would ask you to come. I would ask you to come and kneel at an altar and say, God, I'm coming home. The Father wants you to be home. He doesn't care about the wrong you've done. He doesn't care how far you've wandered or if you're laying face down in the mud or how many times you've turned away. God wants to wrap his arms around you this morning and call you your son or daughter and give you his best. If you don't have the freedom or that embrace from the Father this morning, or if you've just strayed a little bit and blown it, come and pray this morning. Well, as some continue to pray, I, I wanna keep going a little bit, and I'm not gonna be much longer. But I started by saying that we can't be who God created us to be without experiencing the freedom that God offers us. And I just want to say that I don't know if you've been in a difficult place or a place where God's been stretching you, but one of the best parts of where I'm at right now is that I need God. I'm not good enough on my own. There's nothing that can give me what God has for me other than a relationship in the power of God. And so I want to live in the freedom of knowing it's not about me. It's about what God can do through me. 
We started by saying we can't be who God called us to be until we experience the freedom that God has for us. And here's the thing. When we come home, when we return to the Father, we understand what real freedom is. Real freedom is being a part of the kingdom, being an heir to the kingdom. It's that same relationship that God had with Adam and Eve in the garden when everything was perfect. That's what God wants for you and me today. Freedom of relationship, knowing the Father, knowing the plan, knowing what God has for us. And so Galatians 5 goes on in verse 22 and says this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh, have crucified the self with its passions and desires. And since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Are you seeing the difference between the acts and the works of the sinful desire and the fruits of the Spirit? Fruit doesn't come from acts. Fruit comes from being connected to a tree. Fruit comes from being connected to the vine. The fruit in our life comes from being connected to the Father. It's not something we can do on our own. It's what God does in us and through us when we're connected to the Father. And so when we come home, when we come home and the Father embraces us and invites us in and celebrates with us, we will be a people of love a people of joy, of peace, of forbearance, of kindness, of goodness, of faithfulness, of gentleness, and of self-control. Don't you get it? That's who we're supposed to be. That's who you are supposed to be as a follower of Christ, is that. Not selfish, not acts for yourself, but fruits of what God's doing in your life. That's who we're supposed to be as a church at Westchester Nazarene, as we're supposed to be a people who God is working in. And this is what we look like. We're a people of love and we're a people of peace. These are fruits of the Spirit and they come from the freedom that God has for us when we come home to the Father. Westchester, if we're going to look like the church, if we're going to look like the Christians that God wants us to be, has created us and called us to be, we have to get rid of that selfishness. We have to fight that selfishness. And we have to live in step with the Spirit. We have to allow God's work and God's power and God's love to flow in us so that we're spilling out the fruits of the Spirit so that the people around us know who we are and who we serve by the way we live. The problem is too many people are living in themselves and in their own power and other things. And the church needs to be about God's power and what God is doing. And the church needs to spill out with these Things. And so for every one of you here this morning, I believe that God 
wants to change you. I believe that God wants to come into your life. I believe that God wants to go with you to work or school tomorrow. I believe that God wants to be with you every day and that God's power and love wants to change the way you look and the way you act and the way you treat other people. And if we're going to be who God called us to be, we have to live in the freedom of knowing it's not about me. And so as you go today, go and walk freely in step with the Spirit. Let God walk alongside you every day and let God's presence transform who you are and the way you live and let God's love and God's peace spill out of you so that others can't help but be changed. Father, go with us change us, live in us, and help us to be who you created us to be, Lord. Thank you that you've worked so hard to give us an inheritance. Help us to live in your kingdom in step with you. Help us to be the church and the people that you've called us to be. We love you, Lord, and we thank you in thy name. Amen. Have a great week.